Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. And we're going to ask if you will turn your copy of God's Word to the book of Acts, chapter 16. We're going to look at the entire chapter today, but we're only going to read just a few key verses uh, as we begin, and we'll be referencing the rest of the chapter throughout the message. We're going to ask you to turn to uh, chapter 16, and we're going to read verses 11 through, uh, let's say, about 34. Uh, we'll, we'll, st- we'll start there and uh, cover this text, and then we'll go back and cover the rest of the text of the chapter as we go through the message. So we would encourage any, everyone who can and is able to please stand in honor of the reading and the hearing of God's precious holy word. Now, to give you kind of a backdrop about what's happening, uh, and we'll be referencing this uh, a little bit as we well, we'll be referencing this as we go through the text today. Uh, but uh, we see that uh, Paul, of course, we mentioned last week there was a division between Paul and Barnabas, and Paul took with him Silas, and then uh, Barnabas took with him John Mark to have their own missionary journey. And uh, we see in the first part of chapter sixteen that this entourage of Paul grows that he has not only Silas with them, but they pick up this gentleman by the name of Timothy. Uh, he's the same Timothy to whom Paul wrote two letters we have in the Bible. And so we, we learn more about this. We learn about Lydia in verses, uh, uh, actually verse 11. Uh, actually, i t- tell you what, we're going to go down to verse 16 as we start. Lydia is a fascinating woman. Uh, she is a woman who sells purple cloth which was very expensive. So she was a woman who owned her own business, which was very unique in the Greco-Roman world for this to happen. She became a Christian and so invited Paul and the entourage to stay in the house there. Uh, and so we, we pick up in verse 16. Uh, so as all this is taking place, uh, Paul and, and Silas, and they're also joined by Luke, the writer of this book. You'll notice that he writes the words we, as we'll, we'll see in verse 16, as well as Timothy. So Luke writes, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, a fortune teller, met us who bought her masters, uh, brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Now, To some people, they would say, well, hey, this is free advertisement. This may actually help us here. But Paul was annoyed because he realized this wasn't the Spirit of Christ saying this. This was the the, the Spirit of the devil saying this. And so Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Well, guess what? The, the masters, the one who owned this woman, as she was a slave, they lost their business, <laughs> did they not? And so when their masters saw that the hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace and to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Now the Romans, you have to understand... They, they had this thing called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. And so they had become very 
politically correct because they wanted to keep the peace of Rome. And Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they weren't very politically correct because they were preaching the gospel. So then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely." Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now here they are in the inner prison. They're beaten. They're bloodied. Blood's probably flowing out of their noses. I mean, they've been beaten uh, within an inch of their lives. But at midnight, what did Paul and Silas do? Well, they sing in gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, (laughs) deep, dark depression, obsessive misery. Were they singing that? Those of you who are hee-haw fans, you know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, they weren't singing that. No, look what they were singing in verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, realizing now that these prisoners were gone, thinking they were gone, that the Roman government was going to kill him because he let these prisoners go free, uh, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul said with a loud voice, Do not do harm. We are all, do, do, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) That Roman guard came to know Jesus that night. So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took with them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Pentecost Sunday. That because the very same Spirit that abided and lived within Paul and Silas and these mighty men of faith in the earliest church also abides within us. And we just ask, Lord, this morning as we talk about singing a joyful song unto you, Lord, that you would give us the words that need to be spoken. And in and, and so doing, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears and our hearts that will apply these truths and be what you would want, desire for us to be. So that no matter what we are faced, no matter with what we are faced in life, that we would always sing a joyful song unto you, just as Paul and Silas did in the inner chamber of this prison. For we give you all the thanks and glory for it all. For it is in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Attitude makes a big difference. Amen? I believe in life, 90, uh, 10% of life, uh, the importance of life, only 10% are the things that happen to us, and 90% are the and how we respond to the things we are met with. You can't do a whole lot about what comes your way, but you can sure make a difference in how you respond to those things. Even when you're met with the the toughest situations in life, you can respond in a certain way, Uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad. 
Uh, for instance, I heard this story this past week, and I'll let you be the judge of whether or not the man's response was good or not. Uh, this, some, some may debate this, but this church is said that there was this church, and Satan himself came in the very front of this church, and everybody seeing this, this Lord of Darkness went flying all over the church, running out of the church, except for one 90-year-old man who sat in his pew and didn't move a muscle. Satan came up to him and he said, Sir, do you not know who I am? And the old man says, Yep. He says, Do you not know I'm Satan, Lord of darkness, and at my voice I could strike you dead just like that? The man said, Yep, I realize that. He says, Do you not realize that at a moment I can torment you for the rest of eternity? And the man says, Yep, I realize that. He says, Well, why aren't you scared, man? What's wrong with you? And the old man says, well, it's because I've been married to your sister for the past 68 years. Why should I be afraid of you? <laughs> well, I don't know whether that was a good perspective or not, but that was one way of responding, you know. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, we, our responses make a big difference. <laughs> I see mixed reviews to that joke as I look across the congregation this morning. But nevertheless... We as believers, we can sing a joyful song to the Lord no matter what we encounter in life. And I want us to take a look at uh, five different ways today that we can sing a joyful song no matter what comes our way. And the first thing we see is that we can sing a joyful song with all fidelity. And by fidelity, I mean faithfulness. That we can be faithful unto the Lord because of this joy that we have bubbling up within our hearts. That we have this joyful song of salvation that we can be faithful to the Lord. And we see this faithfulness exhibited by Paul and Silas, by Luke and Timothy in at least two different ways. The first thing we see is in verses 1 through 5. This included fidelity to the service. Uh, to save on time, I won't read the text. I'll let you go back and read the text. But what I would want to note about verses 1 through 5 is that we see that they came to this area of Derb and Lystra, and they see this certain disciple there named Timothy. Now, Timothy was a biracial individual. He was half Jewish and he was half Greek. If you read the language of this text, it appears that Timothy's father must have died because his mother is bringing him up in the Jewish faith, uh, which would not have been done uh, had the father still been alive. So anyhow, he's brought, up in the, he's brought up in the Jewish faith. He comes to know Christ, but Paul does something unique. He has him circumcised. But you say, now wait a minute. Paul, if, if we've been following the text... Paul has already went to the Jerusalem council, made an argument saying, listen, we don't have to require circumcision of non-Jewish individuals. When they come to faith, circumcision is not required. They went to this council, they've already decided this, but yet he has Timothy circumcised. Why did he do that? Is Paul pulling back on what they had agreed? Absolutely not. You see, Paul shows us the faithfulness he had to serve this because he realized that there would be some conservative Jewish individuals in the areas which they ministered that would not listen to them because of the fact, merely because of the fact that Timothy had not been circumcised. So he didn't allow their freedom as believers to become a stumbling block to someone else, to someone else's faith. In other words, what we see here, the faithfulness we have to service is this. Yes, we're going to come across people who disagree with us on minor details of Scripture. 
But we don't need to let our liberty separate us from the faithfulness of service. For instance, uh, different people have different views about translations. And I've preached in various churches uh, within North Carolina. And I've preached at some churches that are King James only. And they said, we only want the King James only, and we don't want any other translation. So I make the decision that I'm going to take with me the King James Version because I would rather them hear my message than to stumble over the Bible translation. Amen? There are other churches, and I preached at a church in Winston-Salem that was the exact opposite. They said, we don't care what translation you use, but don't use the King James Version. So I brought a newer translation with me to preach from that church. I didn't want the translation itself to be a factor in whether or not someone heard the message that I brought. You see, we shouldn't let our liberty... This is the point I'm trying to make. Don't let your liberty as a Christian stumble someone else's faith because the more important thing is that they hear the message message of the gospel and that Jesus is Christ and that's the most important thing amen so if we have something we may have the liberty to do something but don't let your liberty cause a stumbling block to someone else's faith secondly we see in verses 6 through 10 that Paul Silas and Timothy are and now are joined by Luke uh, traveling through Phrygia and Galatia, but they come, they, they come to this situation. Uh, they preach the word of God in Asia, and after they come to Mysia, they tried to go in Bithynia, but notice in verse 7, the Spirit of God did not permit them. The Holy Spirit did not permit them to go. So passing through Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. So they tried to go these several different ways. They had a game plan that they had set that they were going to go this direction, but the Spirit says, I don't want you going here. I don't want you doing this. And so look what happens. At night, a vision comes to Paul, and he sees this Macedonian man standing and pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we, we see Luke is involved here, sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. The second thing we must understand is if we want to sing with joy, we want to sing with joy to the Lord, is we must follow the Holy Spirit. Amen? We, our best laid plans may not come to fruition because it may be that God has other plans for us instead. Amen? Crystal and I were talking about this just, just yesterday. Hadn't even planned on that, Crystal. It just happened this yesterday. You know, we laid out the plans to have the golf tournament. Half the golf course was underwater. Now, maybe God had some reason for that. I don't know what it may have been. But, but God knows best. So what we have to do as believers is understand that we need to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes our plans may be good plans, but I want to tell you, if God's not in it, it's not going to work. I believe the greatest problem with many American churches today is not that they're not following this five-step plan. We love to have plans. We, you know, we have a five-step plan to do this, a 12-step plan to do that. But I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter how many steps in your plan that you have. If the Holy Spirit of God is not in it, it's not going to work. As Paul writes to the Corinthian church, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 3.17. I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Lord is the Spirit... And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if you're in the will of God and you're doing what God has called you to do, then it doesn't matter what type of opposition you face, it will be successful. 
But if you're not in the will of God, it doesn't matter how hard you work and how hard you try, it's not going to work and it won't be blessed if God's not in it. So it's important for us to be in the will of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we see that we can not only sing a song in fidelity, uh, with faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to the service, but we sing a joyful song in the fellowship. And we see this in verses 11 through 15. We are met by another lady here by the name of uh, Lydia. Lydia is her name. And we notice uh, that Lydia, uh, when they, when they uh, sailing from Troas, made a straight course to Samothrace and then Neapolis. And here they are in Philippi. And this is where they'll be for the remainder of the chapter. Philippi, a church that faithfully, faithfully supported Paul, all of his ministry. And Paul's letter of the Philippians was written to this church in Philippi. And interestingly enough, interestingly enough, the first European person to come to faith was a woman. Did you know that? Listen, folks, a lot of times people, we hear in their society that the Bible is against women. The Bible is an anti-woman haters club and stuff like that. But no, absolutely not. The first people to see Jesus risen from the dead were who? Women. The first European, I guarantee most of us are of European descent, the first European to come to faith was this Lydia, a woman, who was not only just a woman, but a wealthy businesswoman. That was unheard of in ancient times. I mean, I don't know how this came to be, but she was a wealthy businesswoman, a dealer in purple dyes, uh, purple cloths, we see. And so she comes to faith, and she opens her home to these uh, Christian believers, and, and it's probably because of Lydia, because of Lydia's conversion, and because of her support, that this church of Philippi even began to gather and develop, because the Spirit of God working in, in Lydia, working in this church, working in the individuals here in Philippi. You know, interestingly enough, you see in Philippi a ragtag group of individuals uh, that come from all over the area. I mean, the first convert was a a female businesswoman, dealer in purple dyes. You see Luke comes from from this area. You see other individuals like uh, Aristarchus, Secundus, Epaphroditus, many other individuals who were mentioned in the letters of Paul come from this area. You even see later on a Roman guard... They're supposed to be against Christians. <laughs> They're supposed to be against Jews. This Roman guard even comes in as, as a person of faith and joins this church. The, the point is, is we see that in the fellowship of God, that we see people coming from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities. But praise the Lord, we are all part of one family, one faith, one Savior, one Spirit, one heaven. Amen? We are part of the family of God. And so we don't need to allow jealousy in our midst. We don't need to allow bitterness in our midst. As believers, we can celebrate with those who rejoice. And we can mourn and cry with those who are downtrodden. But we don't need to allow jealousy in, in in our midst because there's nothing but bad things that can come from that. We were at Battle Branch, and I've got to add this story, another little fun story. We were at Battle Branch and overheard, yes, I was eavesdropping, I admit that, I was eavesdropping, but a guy told this story to the, to the cashier up front, and it was too, too good not to share. He said there was a story of this couple, and, and the woman uh, was, was very jealous of her husband, and she was always thinking that the husband was, was doing something when the husband wasn't, and she, she said to him, I'm going to catch you one of these days, and boy, you better believe it's going to be on like Donkey Kong when I do. 
you better be on your guard because I'm watching you. And he said, honey, I'm not doing anything. I love you. I'm not going to ever do anything. She says, I'm going to be watching. We'll see about that. So one day, she's in the living room watching TV. And, uh, and he's in the other room, and she hears a buzz of his phone. She says, okay, we'll see who this is. Picks it up and says, it looks like it's a missed call. She reads the name on there, and she goes to him and says, all right, now who is this? He says, you have a missed call. Who is this? Who is this Loba Plugian? Who is this Loba Plugian? I want to know, what even name is Loba Plugian? Where is she from? What in the world is Loba Plugian? And he looks at this, and he says, honey, that says low battery plug-in. <laughs> Low battery stands for low battery plug-in. That's not a missed call. That's my phone dying. <laughs> so you see what happens when we let jealousy in our midst. It does nothing but cause harm. And when we come together in the grace of God, we have a joyful heart. So we can come together singing a song of fellowship as we can come together realizing we are part of the family of God. And I won't read back over the scripture because we read it earlier. But we can also see that we can sing a joyful song when in fear. We see the story, we described it already, of how Paul and, um, and, and his accompaniment were there preaching the gospel. And there was this woman who, there who was, uh, had this demonic spirit in her that uh, she had become enslaved. And this demonic spirit had come upon her and she was a fortune teller. And she was making a lot of money for her, her captors. And so they were using her, and they were exploiting her. And so uh, she was following them around and even telling people that these people were of God, that Paul and Silas and Luke and Timothy, that they were of God. But Paul had enough of that because he realized this spirit was not of Christ. And he cast out the demon, freeing her from that oppression. But the problem was, as we see, the owners, the business individuals, the corrupt individuals who were going along with this didn't want any part of that because he had just ruined their business. He had just ruined their business. I mean, they were sitting back probably eating ancient form of bonbons or something like that while she was out there doing her work as a fortune teller and they completely lost their source of income. Meanwhile, he freed this individual of this oppressive uh, thing that was going on in their life. But we see that these slave owners... They were irritated at Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. And because they realized that Timothy and Luke were Roman citizens, they had thrown Paul and Silas into prison after having them beaten. And again, just put this in, just depict this. Paul and Silas are in this dungeon. They are in this dungeon. It is dark, it is dreary. There, there's it's probably a foul smell in there, a stench. Uh, they are beaten within an inch of their life. They're bleeding. They have wounds. They're cut up. They're gashed up. They're beaten. They're bruised. And they're, they're chained to this wall. If ever there was a time that they had, could have become depressed, now was that time. Amen? They didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, we're reading this in the future, knowing what happened. But they don't, they don't know what's going on in the midst of their prison cell. They don't know what's going to happen during the midst of this. So here they are. They could be depressed, but what do they do? They sing praise songs to the Lord. They sing songs of praise to the Lord because they realize that fear was not going to be anything that would keep them from praising God because they realized that God was bigger than any fear that they may encounter. Amen? How many of you know today that God is bigger than any problem you may face? 
Amen. Let me hear you say amen. How many of you know that God is bigger than any problem that you face? How many of you know that God can handle any obstacle that may come your way? How many of you know that God can provide comfort for us in our deepest, darkest moments when we feel that we have no one else? The Holy Spirit of God, as Ashley said earlier, is there with us to comfort us in our time of need. I think of Joni Erickson Tata, who was a Baltimore resident misjudged the depth of water in the one portion of the Chesapeake Bay. And as she went diving, she uh, injured her uh, vertebrae, I believe, uh, I'm not sure exactly where it was, I read it, uh, the fourth and fifth cervical levels, I have no clue what that is. Oh, it's in the back of the neck. Okay, so she messed up the fourth and fifth cervical levels in the back of her neck and paralyzed her. She became a quadriplegic. Now, she, she did go through times of depression, but she didn't let that, Keep her from praising the Lord in the in the long in the, in the long of it all and the in the in the whole totality of her life because in, in even being a quadriplegic she began the ministry called Joni and Friends uh, that is a ministry for individuals suffering through physical disabilities she has written over forty books even being a quadriplegic and still ministers to this day in fact I heard her say on an interview that that may have even been the best thing that had ever happened to her because if she had not become a quadriplegic, she would not have had the focus that she has in life. How could she say something like that? Because she realizes that fear is not the final word, that her faith and trust in Christ will have the final say. And so we can sing a joyful song even in the midst of our fears. Fourthly, we can sing a joyful song with total faith. We sometimes wonder why God allows things to happen. And I don't have an answer for you. But I do know that God is the absolute good. And I do know that God is faithful. That God is truth. That God is love. I do know that God is light. And so knowing these things I do know about God, even though I don't understand why certain things happen, I know that God can bring something good even out of the worst tragedies of life. Amen? God can bring something good even out of the worst circumstances of life, Because take a look at the story in verses 29 through 34. Here they are singing praises to God. An earthquake happens. The jail opens up. And this Roman guard thought that they had escaped. And according to Roman law, if you're a Roman guard and you allow your prisoner to escape, they will kill you. People talk about the crucifixion. If, if you are an executor in the Roman government and that person you are ordered to kill remains alive then you will suffer the same fate that the person did on the cross. Some people say, well, maybe they just let Jesus pass out. Not going to happen. Not going to happen on a, on, in the Roman government because if they had let Jesus survive that cross, they themselves would have been up on the same cross. They knew better than that. They would not have done that. It's not an option. So we, we see these things happen. So this Roman guard is ready to take his life. But he sees that Paul and Silas are still in the jail. And, they, and he, then he asks about this faith that they've been proclaiming. And that very night, even in the midst of Paul and Silas' suffering, they led this Roman guard to faith. If they had not been in that prison cell that night, that Roman guard would have never come to faith. We don't understand why certain things happen, but we know that God has a sovereign plan. And I know that doesn't take away the heartache that we may feel in life. But I think it does provide us some comfort to know that God can bring something good out of the worst tragedies we face in life. To give you an example, one example is Nabil Qureshi. Nabil Qureshi was a Muslim man who had visions of Christ that led him to faith. 
And recently, um, he was uh, diagnosed with stomach cancer. And he prayed and prayed and prayed, Lord, let me survive this because I know what's going to happen. Those individuals, individuals I, I knew growing up, they're going to say it was because I became a Christian that that was the reason why I came down with stomach cancer. Don't let this happen. Many people across the nation were praying, Lord, spare Nabil Qureshi. But Nabil Qureshi died. And many people, this left many people wondering, why would God do that? My first class up at Lynchburg in this program, I met a woman from overseas. For her safety, I won't give her name or anything, any of the details like that. But she is good friends with Nabil Qureshi. And she told me, she said, Brian, she said, I miss Nabil horribly. But she said some wonderful things happened even through his passing. She said her, his parents are devout Muslims who would never darken the door of a church, ever. But they were there and they heard in his funeral and they heard Ravi Zacharias and they heard some other, Jim Tour, Dr. Jim Tour, uh, and many other individuals present the gospel of Jesus Christ. They heard the gospel in a way that they would never have heard it if God had not allowed that to happen. Now, did that remove the pain that, that, uh, that the family experiences? Did that remove the, the circumstances, the heartache that happened? Absolutely not. But it does allow us to provide us some hope that God can bring something good even out of the worst circumstances we face in life. So even when we're going through the depths of, of heartache and doubt, we can still sing a joyful song of total faith, understanding and realizing that God is a good God who loves us and who wants to see the world be saved. And last but certainly not least, we can sing a joyful song with complete freedom. Look at the freedom that took place here. <laughs> this woman who had been bound up by this spirit and who had been enslaved was set free. Uh, we see uh, Lydia, a woman who didn't know Christ, was freed by her faith. We see the freedom that come to this Roman guard. In all actuality, even though Paul and Silas had the ability to escape the prison, it was the Roman guard who was freed that night. Amen? Because of the working of the Holy Spirit in his life. But we see in verses 35 and following, we see here that, that Paul and Silas were actually Roman citizens. And they weren't supposed to be falsely charged as they were. They were not supposed to be imprisoned as they were. So the Roman guard says, hey man, we got word to let you free. And the Roman guard had already you know, bandaged up their wounds and taken care of them. But he said, hey listen, the magistrates have sent word to set you free. And Paul was saying, no, you have that magistrate come here. Paul was wanting to give him a little few words. He was wanting to have, as I've always heard, a come-to-Jesus meeting because Paul and Silas were Roman citizens and they were illegally thrown in the prison. And so the magistrate come and Paul says, do you not realize that Silas and I are Roman citizens and what you did was illegal? And the magistrate's backed up big time and he says, man, I'm sorry, the best thing for you to do is to pack your stuff and get up out of Philippi. We don't want you here. The best thing you can do is get out of here. You know why? Because he realized he was in big, big trouble. The magistrate did. And so but what we find here was that Paul and Silas were freed from this prison. But not only that, we realize that they celebrated the freedom that they had in Christ Jesus. And we see once again that Philippi became a thriving church. And we see uh, that uh, this was a wonderful church. But, but it all came about because of the freedom that they experienced in Christ Jesus. Heard a story just about a few weeks ago about a woman who was wanting to build a fence around her house to keep in her pet cat. She wanted to build this fence to keep in her cat. 
And everybody was trying to tell her, listen, you're not going to keep a cat in the fence. Oh, I'm going to keep this cat in the fence, she said. And so they built this fence in the backyard of this woman's house. And no sooner had they finished the project, she let her cat out. And all of them watched as the cat went to the fence, climbed, scaled the fence, and leaped over and went into freedom. You, it wasn't going to keep a cat <laughs> in a fence. But here's the thing. Nothing can restrain us as long as we're in Christ Jesus. No matter what may come our way, we are free people. Not because the nation says we're free, but because the Holy Spirit of God has set us free. Because of that freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, we are freed indeed. No matter what circumstances we face, we can sing a joyful song to the Lord while remaining faithful to the task that He has set before us. A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, wrote these words, and we'll close with this. The joy of the Lord is the strength of His people. The sunshine that banishes sadness and gloom. The fountain that bursts in the desert of sorrow and sheds o'er the wilderness gladness and bloom. The joy of the Lord is our strength for life's burdens. It gives to each duty a heavenly zest. It sets to sweet music the task of the toiler and softens the couch of the laborer's rest. We all, no matter what we face in life, can sing a song of praise because of the wonderful, majestic work that God has done in our lives if we are in Christ Jesus. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, every eyes closed, I want to simply ask you this morning, do you know that you have Christ as your Savior? Have you been saved by the grace and mercy of God? If not, I want to encourage you to come down and receive Him today before it's eternally too late. Or maybe you're here today and maybe you feel bound up. Maybe the devil is binding you up with some type of circumstance or some type of situation in life. Maybe you have a heart full and you want to just simply come and lay all of those troubles and trials at the foot of the cross, giving it over to Jesus, saying, Lord... I know you can handle it, but I can't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you have all of this stuff because I know you can take care of this, whereas I can't. Maybe you want to come and do that. Or maybe you want to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your life, we just pray that you would come as the Holy Spirit calls. The kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. And we th- are so thankful today, Lord, that we can come to you, Lord, with a spirit of praise. I know several times you know, in life we, we have several things that may, we may look at these things and think, man, I wish things were different. But it doesn't take us too long if we really stop and focus on the positives to see all the ways that you've blessed us. And so, Lord, we just ask today as we, as we depart from this place, that you, Lord, would remind us of the faith that we have in you, of the freedom that we have in you, and the trust and dependency that we can place upon you, Lord, that no matter what we go through in life, no matter what circumstance may come our way, we would still have that spirit of joy in our lives to give you a song of praise in the good times, to give you a song of praise in the bad. And no matter what may happen, to always give you because without you, we would not have life. And without you, we certainly wouldn't have eternal life. So, Lord, we want to thank you for those blessings today. Just ask that you have your way in this time of invitation. So, in the name of Jesus, we ask you.
The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Who is God? What is He like? How can we know? The answers you give to these questions will have a tremendous impact on your worship, discipleship, apologetics, and evangelism. Faulty ideas about God are permeating both the church and the culture. It's time to get back to the basics of understanding the existence and nature of the God who is. Marking the 25th year of this annual event, Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics returns to Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, with an all-star lineup of some of the finest Christian minds in the world to explore this incredibly important topic. Join us October 12-13, 2018 at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the 65 speakers at the event include Ravi Zacharias of RZIM, Josh McDowell of Josh McDowell Ministries, Chip Ingram of Living on the Edge, Gary Habermas of Liberty University, Natasha Crane, Richard Land, and many, many more. Ticket prices before August 1st are $75 for adults, $45 for students. After August 1st, the tickets go up to $85 for adults and $55 for regular price. Save an extra 5% per ticket when you register by May 1st. Group, homeschool, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Call for details by dialing 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Once again, that's 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Or go to conference.ses.edu. The 25th anniversary of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics will be October 12th and 13th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope to see you there. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read, one that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth.
The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to True North, the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of bellatorchristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. Because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision, make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. That vision of training champions for Christ to change the world is the foundation of Liberty University. It always has been, and it always will be. Everything we are today is built upon it. But while our vision hasn't changed since 1971, the world around us has. Fewer and fewer people understand what we mean when we say train champions for Christ. So we show them. We show them what authentic faith in Christ looks like through the lens of academics, athletics, through the way we have fun and the way we serve one another and the world. We show them that we the faithful, the bold, the united, and the brave are also we the creators, the innovators, the entrepreneurs, and the leaders. We the champions are committed to tackling the issues of our time with integrity and prayer. Our vision hasn't changed. It is strengthened, broadened, expanded. It has grown into over 550 programs of study, reaching into over 80 countries, uniting over 100,000 students into a beautifully diverse family with a singular vision. We the champions, in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, ignite a passion for wisdom, challenge perspectives, inspire creativity, and pursue knowledge. Do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's calling wherever it may lead. Find out more about Liberty University by visiting liberty.edu.